church any length of time. I'm sure you've read this passage before. We're starting a series this morning, a uh, two-part series. And so you have fill in the blanks um, because I wanted to be like Kevin. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, if you're using the app, the app also has the same blanks in there so you can fill in the app. Um, and so uh, we're going to start a message that we're going to finish next week. And so today we're going to give you the first six and give you the last five uh, next week. Uh, but the title of this morning's message is The Work of the Holy Spirit in the Life of a Believer. And so what does it mean that, that we receive the Holy Spirit? Who is it? Right? Who is it and why is this significant? Why is it important? Uh, and how does it help me uh, as a believer to walk in the newness of Christ? And so we're excited this morning uh, to start this message. I ask that you pray for us this morning. Um, the, uh, they tried to work me to death. I, I told them, church work days, I don't do anything. But I'm so tired when people leave. I don't know what that's it's out. I don't know one thing that I did. I cut a little piece over here. Then Jeff wouldn't let me cut no more. Uh, you know what's bad when you are a pastor and you cut the piece. They're like, Huff, did you cut a whole piece for that? I thought I was in try to, uh, no, uh, Jeff told me to, right? Um, thankful for everybody who was able to, to work, not only this, but also the clothing closet and everything else. Um, I believe that God is calling a lot of people to do a lot more. Uh, and I'm just going to trust in the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And that's part of the purpose for the series, to understand what the Holy Spirit does for us. But I can tell you what the Holy Spirit will not lead you to do, nothing. It's never going to lead you to do nothing. That I can promise you 100%. Uh, however, the Holy Spirit will lead us to, to decrease of our own self and increase in Him. Amen. And so we're excited uh, to start this series. So pray for us this morning, not feeling the, uh, the swiftest, but we know that God is able uh, and that He will give us the strength that we need in the hour that we need it. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen. Uh, and that is an appropriate application of that verse. That's not what we say when we're doing something of our own accord. Amen. Christ will strengthen us when we walk in His purpose, in His light, to accomplish His will. Amen. You cannot walk contrary to God and claim that verse. A lot of people will use it for a lot. Of, a lot of people use a lot of scriptures for their own purposes. I, I remember one specific one. Uh, in one year, the Super Bowl, it became the battle cry for the Baltimore Ravens, right? No weapon formed against us shall stay. That is about the worst use of that scripture. I don't really think that God is going to strengthen your defense more than the opposing team's defense just because you claim to that scripture. So a lot of times people will claim this stuff that has no real application in the way that they're claiming it. And that's why it's important to know and read and study the word of God. To be also with good teachers and good preachers, not saying that I'm good in my heart. I can tell you my number one priority that I share with folks, especially other preachers uh, in our congregation, is my number one priority is to teach the word as it is written as God intended. Amen. I can tell you that. And I'll never do it for self-gain. Because I can tell you, you want to know how to get rich preaching? Start off rich. You know how to make a million dollars preaching? Start off with two million. Because by the time you get done tithing, and if taxes get taken out, you'll be lucky to have a million. Amen? Uh, and so we're not doing this for self-benefit. Uh, we're doing this because the Lord has called us into this life. And I have found that there is nothing this side of heaven is fulfilling as being in the sweet spirit of our Lord. Amen? 
So John chapter 14, we're going to read verses 15 through 17, then I'll let you sit down. It says this, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, we just thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us. Lord, we just pray right now, Lord, that, you, that, Lord, that everything that is spoken, uh, Lord, in this message will be about you, uh, Lord, and not about the person delivering it. Father, we pray for your strength, Lord, that you would strengthen our bodies this morning to be able to do your will. And Father, if there's someone here who does not know you, if there's someone here, Father, that hasn't, Lord, experienced the beauty of your majesty, and Father, I pray today before this day is out, before this service is out, that, Father, they will call upon you and profess you as Lord. Lord, we love you, and we pray all of this in the name of your beautiful Son, Jesus. Amen. Y'all can be seated. I went back and looked. It was a long time ago that I had preached from this text, um, and I use a word sometimes when I'm talking about the Spirit specifically, uh, and it's a word called parakletos. And it's, if you know how to say parakeet, right, uh, just add an L after the, after the K, paraklete, right, uh, parakletos. And so Jesus is here is talking, and this is, chapter 14 starts what's called the Upper Room Discourse. So this is Jesus sitting down with his disciples and talking to them. And here he starts off in, in chapter 14, verse 1. You know the passage of Scripture, right? In my Father's house are many mansions. If we're not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you that where, you may, where I may be, you may be also, right? Uh, and that you know the way. Of course, Thomas is like, how do we know the way? I mean, what are you talking about? But later on down, as Jesus is talking to his disciples, we see this, these words right here. And he says that, that, that he must go away, but he's going to bring another helper. And the word helper that, that, that in the Greek is paraclete or parakletos. Uh, and it, it's, it comes out as comforter, right? Or advocate. We see later in the, uh, I believe it's in 1st or 2nd John, later on in the New Testament near the end, we see as John is writing a letter to the churches, uh, he says, we know that we have an advocate in Jesus Christ. And that same word used for advocate there is the same word used here, parakletos. But it could be, it could be uh, used uh, in context of comforter, advocate, helper, you get the idea. Now, it says another helper, and that word is alon, alon parakletos. Now, I know what you're thinking, Huff, I don't need to know all this Greek to know Jesus. No, you do not, but I want you to kind of dig in a little bit this morning, amen? You want to get a little deeper, in what, we don't want to just look at, at face value, we want to understand this passage, and we want to understand the Holy Spirit. So, alon parakletos is translated another helper, Another means is where we bring the from the same source, all right? So Alon is of the same kind, from the same source. So Jesus is saying there's one coming from where I came from who is going to help you. Now you imagine being the disciples thinking that we've been walking with Jesus for three years. For three years, day in and day out, they have, they have ate with Jesus. They've walked along the way with Jesus. They've slept side by side around the campfire with Jesus. They've been with Jesus day in and day out for three years. And so much has happened. 
I mean, think about what the disciples have experienced walking with Jesus. First off, they've, they've seen miracles. I mean, Lazarus was dead four days. Amen. They've seen Lazarus come walking out of the tomb. They've seen people healed of leprosy. They've seen the dead rise. They've seen people healed. They've seen people who were for cast outs, castaways. I think of the woman at the well, the woman nobody else wanted to be around, the woman who would go to the well in the heat of the day to be by herself because of all the things being said by her. And she was, she was known to be trashy and had been bounced around from man to man. And, and one of those people that you just, you know, you know, the people whisper about when they see her coming down the road. They saw Jesus have a conversation with her and offer her to drink from the well of living water. Imagine all that they have seen and experienced as Jesus has walked with them. And now Jesus is saying, I've got to go away. But I'm going to send Alon Paracletos. I'm going to send someone that comes from where I came from, from the Father. You see, that's important to know. You see, sometimes people call, people call my team for, for, uh, for technical help. And, and so I run a tech support team that, that supports heat and air conditioning equipment. It happens to be York brand now, but I did carry for years. And, and people would call in, and, and sometimes I would get to people on the phone, and I'd be helping them at a problem. And I would say, listen, you know, uh, we're going to have to take a look at this unit. Well, Huff, is it going to be you coming? No, I, I can't make it. But I'm going to send one of my guys. Well, Huff, I want you to come. I said, listen, I can't be there. I'm just going to tell you right now, it's not going to be me. But I do promise you the one that is coming out is from my team and has the same knowledge that I have. And they're saying, okay, so, so they, they, know as, they know what you know. They know as much as you know, right? So I'm not getting just some other guy that just knows what I know. I need somebody who knows what you know. And I promise them, no, listen, you're getting a guy that comes from the same place that I come from, been taught by the same people, and you're going to get the same thing as if I was there myself. Trust me, when this guy walks on the job, it's just as good as me being there myself. And they take comfort because they have become comfortable with me. And after they become comfortable with me, when I tell them that I can't come to the job, but somebody else is going to come in my stead, they're like, oh, wait a second now. I finally got to where I trust you. Now you're sending me somebody else. Imagine how the disciples must have felt. So it's important that Jesus tells them that not only is there a, a comforter, not only is there a helper coming, not only will they have an advocate, but it's coming from the same exact source from the Father. Because the Bible says that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, these three are one and bear witness together. It's important to know that exactly what Jesus was doing as he was walking with them is exactly what the Holy Spirit is going to do and pick up where Jesus left off. You see, it's in this we need to understand the role of the Holy Spirit in our life. We need to understand what the, the comforter and the helper, what, what are the roles and what does he do in the life of a believer? And it's important that we ask what does he do? Because he refers to him as the person of the Holy Spirit. It's not just this thing. But Jesus says, for he dwells with you and will be in you. This is what John Trapp has to say. One way to understand the work of the helper is to understand the opposite of the work. The devil is called the accuser. 
in full opposition to this name and title given here to the Holy Spirit. So Satan, who accuses us and tries to tear us down, the Holy Spirit is the complete opposite of that. He is the helper who will help build us up, not in ourselves, but in Christ. Because we have trusted Christ as our Savior. We know that it was Jesus Christ who was nailed to the cross and that was buried and on the third day arose again so that we no longer have to sacrifice. That sacrifice now is done, it is complete, and it is Him that we trust for our salvation. And we must know that the Holy Spirit is going to continue the work which Jesus did in us through salvation. The Holy Spirit will now help us walk in that newness. Dr. Guzik said this, the word another in the ancient Greek word Alan means the another from the same kind in contrast to another or different kind. Just as Jesus shows the nature of God the Father, so the Holy Spirit being another of the same kind would show you the nature of Jesus. So that we know that when the Holy Spirit leads us, we know the Holy Spirit will lead us in direct harmony with Christ and the Father because these three are one. And see, that is very, very important because we have the written Word of God. And sometimes people ask the question, well, how do I know that it's the Holy Spirit speaking to me? Well, I'll tell you one thing, the Holy Spirit will never take you in a place that is not in 100% agreeance with the Holy Written Word of God. Amen. This is important to understand and to know because when he's saying that I'm going away, I'm, I'm going to send someone from the same exact source who's going to come and is going to show you more things than, than I can show you at this time. Jesus knew he had a limited amount of time on the earth and there are some things that they would never understand until after Christ had completed his work on the cross. Realize that in chapter 14 of John, Christ has not yet went to the cross. Jesus says some things to them, and it's hard for them to understand. But he's telling them, I'm going to send you a helper, and once those things are complete, then the Holy Spirit is going to reveal to them deeper and more things of God than what they can comprehend at the moment because Christ has not yet went to the cross. But do you see how important that is? You know, sometimes some folks maybe are sick or have issues sometimes, and sometimes the pastor can't get there. But we have other folks who are from the same source. And so whether it's I that visits you or whether it's Brother Dave, Greg, Kevin, any of those guys, them visiting you is from the same source. It's still from the leadership of the church. So you see the, the parallel there. It's important that we understand. And so this morning I want to share six roles uh, that the Holy Spirit fulfills in our life. And then we'll finish it up next week with five more. When I said six, you should have seen your eyes. Huff, didn't you go to school a little bit? Yep. Didn't they teach you three points and get out of here for lunch? Yeah, I missed that day. Right? I, by the way, I've got all those sermon prep books. W.E. Sangster, I got them all. Three points, right? They always tell you this. Tell them what you're going to tell them, then tell them, and then tell them what you told them, and then close out. You know me. That's a nice suggestion. Doesn't quite work for me. So this morning I want to share six, and I will go through them fairly, uh, I will say fairly quickly, but we'll just see where the Spirit leads us, amen? 
So the first thing is this. Now you have blanks in your uh, uh, bulletin. You also have it on the app. The first one is this. The Holy Spirit indwells every believer. The Holy Spirit indwells every believer. It's really important to understand this, right? Because to know that, that listen, that, that in the heart of the believer, once uh, we recognize Jesus as Lord and we accept him uh, and, and the, the sacrifice that he made for our lives, that the Holy Spirit comes and indwells every believer. And that is upon salvation. And it's important to understand this because there's some people that will teach you something different. And I want to tell you, this is what the scripture says. Now, let me read 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. It says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for the temple is holy, and you are that temple. So it says here, and it helps us understand that God uh, and His Spirit, His Holy Spirit, indwells every believer. So that means upon accepting Christ, right? Upon repentance, I should say, right? Turning away from who we are, accepting Him as Lord, amen, then we, the Holy Holy Spirit will come and live in our hearts and will be there until the day that we go home. Amen. Isn't that beautiful, though, that God would send his spirit to live within us so that we can walk every day in him? It's not that I've got to walk this day by myself or I've got to go this week by myself until Sunday comes around again. But instead, God is with us each and every day. And we know that we have this spirit living within us so that we know that God will help direct our paths. I was telling somebody not so long ago, was, uh, we were talking about making a decision. I said, you do realize that the Holy Spirit indwells each and every believer. And I can tell you this, you have to make the best decision you can with, with the information that you have and prayer, pray over that and prayerfully make that decision. But I know that I can trust the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is not going to walk with me every day and just let me go willy-nilly without telling me about it. Amen? We see that Jesus, when his disciples, sometimes when they would say something that's wrong, like when they wanted to call fire down out of heaven over some people or, or they said something that was out of the way, Jesus would correct them so that they would know the right way to go. And so the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is very important for us uh, because we need him because we know today that as I walk and as I do my day-to-day -day thing that I can trust that he is in me. I can trust that he is with me and I know that he will not lead me astray. And if I get off course, I can, listen, I, I can be confident this morning to know that he is going to let me know about it so that I may correct course and stay within that special place that God has built for me and in his purpose and in his will. Haven't you ever had somebody that saw you going the wrong way and just let you go? And they're like, why didn't you tell me? It's like driving with a woman sometimes. Oh, who is right? Even my GPS has got a woman's voice. Isn't that weird? Right? You're driving along, and Sal doesn't like to hurt my feelings. But apparently using extra gas and braking power is okay, because I'll be like, I'll go right past, I'm like, oh, was that the road? Yes. Well, why didn't you say something? I didn't want to upset you. Well, I'm upset now. I got to go turn around. Listen, you ever miss a turn on the turnpike, you, oh, you're, you're 40 miles out of your way, 20 miles that way to get to the next exit, to come back the other 20 miles to finally get to where you want to go. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Ladies, your husband ain't getting ready to miss that turn. Go tell him about it. Say, listen, I ain't the Holy Spirit, but I'm going to speak up here. You need to turn. Let us go the wrong way, then give us down the road when we're upset about it. Isn't that how it works? Oh, man, I'm telling you. 
Listen, with the Holy Spirit, we ain't got to worry about that. The Holy Spirit ain't going to let us miss our turn and not let us know about it. Now listen, Holy Spirit ain't going to make you do it, but the Holy Spirit is surely going to make sure you know about it. Isn't that great? I don't know about you, but every time I've got off course, it has brought me pain. Every time that I've gotten off course, it's, it's brought me heartache. It's brought me pain. It's brought me regret. And even sometimes, folks, guilt. But to know today that I walk in the newness of Christ and that his spirit walks with me so that when I'm walking in this life here, that, that I know that I am not going to get off course without the Holy Spirit raising the red flag and telling me, Huff, you need to stop. You need to stay on course. That is not the right way to go. To help guide my life. But not only that, not only... Would Jesus correct his disciples? But the fact that Jesus' presence was there. Do you realize that this Holy Spirit indwelling us means that we'll never be alone? You ever been alone? It's not a great feeling. I don't know about you, but there's been times that I've been in a crowded room and still felt alone. You ever been there? You ever been in a crowd full of people and still like you're just absolutely alone? listen to this when we walk with Christ he says that his Holy Spirit this helper from the same source indwells us so that we will never be alone now listen you know what I've also found that this beautiful indwelling of the Holy Spirit makes for some beautiful days and sometimes it's just me and him I have found that sometimes it's worth just getting alone to be with him so you can hear him and him only. Spend that quiet time. Sometimes that quiet time is God's written word, me, and the Holy Spirit. And that we have, a, we, we have this, little, this little party of three, and it's absolutely some of the most beautiful time because they speak to me, they encourage me, they help me understand, uh, they, they help me put my, my heart and my, my mind in a place that is centered on him and not on myself so that I can see things as they really are. You realize when we make ourselves the center of our own word, world that our vision gets twisted? Did you ever realize that? When we care so much about ourselves, then we're seeing everything as it applies to us. And folks, sometimes things that happen ain't got nothing to do with you at all. But when we're self-centered, we always see how it affects us. And sometimes things are done that has nothing to do with us at all. The Holy Spirit helps me see those things. It helps me see those times. And the Holy Spirit will tell me sometimes, Huff, you're looking too much inward. You're, you're, you're thinking about everything as it applies to you. You're not the only one in pain. You're not the only one that hurts. You're not the only one that's tired. You're not the only one that works a lot of hours. You're not the only one. So you need to get away from that and start seeing the real deal. The real deal is our life is but a vapor. It's soon going to be gone. And only what we do for Christ will last. That's what Paul was talking about. He says, listen, upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, no other foundation can be laid except that which is Christ. He said, and then we, as his followers, will build upon that foundation. Some of our works will be hay and stubble that will burn up when, through the, the, the uh, fire of judgment. But those which we lay that are precious stones, they will remain. It's the things we do for Christ and Christ alone that will last. And only those things will I carry to the next life.
So it's important because the Holy Spirit will remind me sometimes when I'm doing something that looks very godly to you, but the Holy Spirit knows my heart because he lives in my heart. He knows what it's like in there. And he says, Huff, you, you may look clean on the outside, but you're dirty in here. Give me a broom and a dustpan. We got to clean this place up. The Holy Spirit lives within the heart of every believer. And he walks with us every day. Every minute of every day. Number two, the Holy Spirit is a seal of God's ownership and promise of completion. The Holy Spirit is the seal of God's ownership and promise of completion. God promises that we have victory in him and he will send his Holy Spirit to live in us as a seal, a legal binding oath to finish what he has started. You see, this seal shows two things. First off, it shows ownership. When a, when a king wanted to send something to someone and make sure that they understood that, that it was coming from them, they would take wax and they would melt that wax and they would, they would put over the opening and they would take their signet ring and they would put the, the stamp into that soft wax and let it get hard and knew that that was the seal of the king. So what was in the box belonged to the king. And today, the, the Holy Spirit living within the lives of believers is a seal of God's promise that He will finish what He has started in you and I. It is a seal to show that we belong to Him, that we are His and He is ours. Amen. That seal of the Holy Spirit to let us know that we are in His care and that He loves us and we become the sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. His, his Spirit is a sign, if you will, a sign of His ownership in the fact that He loves me and that He walks with me and that I belong to Him. And it's a sign that, of the inheritance that is to come and a promise. You see, the also, they would put that seal on legal bonding documents, uh, especially one of earnest payment. In other words, I give you this seal today as a promise of what is coming when the time is right. So when, when time is fulfilled and it's time for your inheritance, this seal is for you as a promise to know that at the end of this time, when it is right, that you will inherit all that I have promised you. It is a seal. It's his mark. And the Holy Spirit is the seal that shows not only others, but ourselves. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that spirit that speaks to your heart and lets you know when things are right. The Holy Spirit that talks to you, that leads you and guides you is a sign that God loves you and that he's paid the price for you. And at the right moment, at the right time of his choosing, he will complete that work in you and you will leave this world and be with him forever. Amen. It is a seal. You see terms like, you remember the good housekeeping seal? It's that seal of promise that that, that, that that item has been rigorously tested. And that it has gone through all the tests that, that prove its claims. And so it gets the good housekeeping seal. Now we know today that that paper just about ain't worth what it's printed on. But I can tell you this, the seal of Almighty God and the Holy Spirit that he sends to live within us to show us and the, the promise that he's made, that seal is one that you can count on, folks. 
You can count on his promises. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14 says this, In him you also, when you heard the word of the truth, uh, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Amen. His seal was a sign of what's to come. Amen. He has sealed his proclamation in me when I believed him as Lord of my life. And that seal show that I am his and that one day I'll have the inheritance and I'll be victorious over death, hell, and the grave because of the work Jesus did on the cross. Amen. I've been sealed. Amen. How about you? This Holy Spirit that lives in me is proof. Proof that I belong to Him. And those people that say they walk in Him, but walk in a way that's contrary to His Word, listen, there's no way they have the Holy Spirit living in them because there's no way they could be happy doing that which is contrary to the Word of God. I don't care what kind of flag they fly and what kind of colors it is. Listen, it don't make no difference. I can tell you right now, the Holy Spirit will guide you in a way that is consistent with His Word, and that is part of His seal and promise. Pastor, don't you worry about getting off course? Yes and no. Yes, I never want to be off course. And so, yes, I want to walk in a way that's worthy of his glory. I want to walk in a way that's worthy of the calling that has been made upon my life. But no, because I know the Holy Spirit's never going to let me walk in a way that's contrary to him without letting me know about it. Amen. So I can live confidently today. Confidently knowing that his Holy Spirit will always lead me and direct me. And if I'm off course, praise God, it, he will make sure I know about it. Frank Gablin, a, a, a late 1800 theologian, says this, The seal is therefore the Holy Spirit himself, and, the presence, uh, and his presence in the believer denotes ownership and security. The sealing with the Spirit is not an emotional feeling or some mysterious inward experience. Now this is important to know. That is upon salvation, upon repentance, we receive salvation. That means this moment, listen, upon repentance, we are now fit for the kingdom of heaven. We have been sealed. The Holy Spirit indwells us, but understand this, that part of the work of the Holy Spirit, as we'll look as we move forward, is also to guide us and direct us because we know that we, we progress in our sanctification. My salvation is sealed, amen? I am fit. Listen, I, it doesn't matter where I'm at. If I've repented and He is Lord of my life, uh, it doesn't matter where I'm at in my walk. If something happens to me and I leave this world, I'll go to His presence. But listen, progressive sanctification is this, is that every day that I live and every day that I live with the Holy Spirit living in me, I should look more like Him and less like me. Amen. So progressively, I will get closer and closer to the Lord. Sometimes young people look at old people and think that old people are just, you know, you, you just got Jesus on the mind. You always want to do Jesus, Jesus. You don't know what it's like to be me. No, we absolutely do. We've walked in the newness of Christ, uh, e even as a late teens, if you will. Uh, my late teen years, about 18 or 19, is when I, when I truly truly realized that I wanted to live for God is when I truly started asking him to be a part of my life and recognize him as Lord. I grew up in the church, but it was then I made that commitment. And it's from that moment on, listen, that the Holy Spirit's been working in my life, helping me each day to be more and more like him. Young people, it's not that, it's not that sin isn't still fun for us old people. It's simply the fact is I know what the results of the sin is. And you know what I found? I'd rather live without it because the Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season, but I 
after this must come the judgment. And we know that, listen, things may be fun now, but all the other things that come after that fun, listen, they aren't worth it. It's not worth walking in a way that, that is inconsistent with God. Why? Because I found no peace there. Because when I accepted Christ, when he became Lord of my life, he indwelled me with his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me off the hook. Amen. When I was walking in a way that was contrary to him, he kept letting me know. And I found that there was no peace to be had. There may have been pleasure for a few moments. But after that, listen, I remember the sleepless nights where I could not go to sleep because the Holy Spirit was wrestling with me and would not let me have joy. You're not going to have joy walking outside of Christ. So as the older we get, folks, yes, the older we get, the more we just want to do Jesus stuff. Why? Because I have found that it is a lot sweeter than anything the world has ever offered me. And it's not worth the hurt and pain to have those few moments of pleasure. I'm sealed until the day of redemption. Amen. But it is that upon salvation, upon that repentance that we're indwelled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a later act, and the Holy Spirit is not a feeling. Do we get emotional about it? Absolutely. But the Holy Spirit is not an emotion. Because I can tell you right now, I can play a sad song and make you cry and have nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. Do you understand that? I wonder how many people cry. Y'all know that commercial? Or that woman singing that song and they show them dogs with the ribs showing. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Sarah McLaughlin, I believe, starts singing. And you just want to go empty your life savings out and give it to that organization. Ain't got nothing to do with the Holy Spirit, folks. We're emotional people. We can be moved in emotion by a lot of things. The Holy Spirit's not an emotion. The Holy Spirit is living, and he is a living part of the Godhead. And it's not an emotional experience, although it can make us emotional. It in itself is not an experience. And it's not something that we get later in life. Some people, they, they teach a second, what they call a second works of grace. In other words, upon repentance, I'm saved, but I don't receive the Holy Spirit until the Spirit moves upon me. And some people even teach that that is signified by the speaking of tongues, that that, that is proof of the Holy Spirit. Listen, go to Galatians 5 and see the fruit of the Spirit and see what it says. We know that tongues is a gift. Now, whether that time for that gift has passed or not, that's up to God. Some people will, 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 can be very definitive on one side or the other. I'm saying this, those are the gifts that God gives, and he can give them anytime he wants, whether it's 2020 or whether it's, you know, 1700s or whether it's year, year 30 A.D. It's up to him. God can do what he wills. I can't, listen, what I want doesn't have anything to do with it. But when you go read the fruit of the Spirit, you'll see love, gentleness, meekness, kindness, all these things. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Tongues was proof at that moment that the Spirit had arrived. But it's not the only mark. Because we know that upon salvation, we are indwelled with the Holy Spirit. And so there are gifts of the Spirit. I've never had that gift. If God was to give me that gift, I would gladly proclaim it. That's up to him. But that's not the only gift. And Paul said this, I'd rather say 
five words that you could understand that edifies God than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue that doesn't edify anyone. So I believe that tongues is a gift from God. He can use it as he wills. But it's, while it may be proof that the Spirit is working in you, it's not the only proof. And it's not necessary to receive the Spirit. We receive the Spirit of God upon repentance, upon claiming him as Lord of our lives. The Holy Spirit indwells us. Amen. Aren't you glad of that? I don't have to wait till another time. Upon repentance, the Holy Spirit is active in my life. And I, thought, I think it's important to understand that there are a lot of other teachings out there. And listen, uh, Chuck Swindoll probably said it best. He said, listen, when it comes to, the, comes to salvation through Christ alone, we, none of us should differ on that at all. But there are these secondary things that don't change as far as who we are in Christ. And so let's not divide ourselves on those secondary issues. Let's agree that God can do what he wills. And if he wills me to speak in another language, then listen, thank God for it. But if he doesn't, he doesn't. Whether I have that gift or not have that gift doesn't change who I am in Christ. My identity needs to be in him and him alone. Amen? To be quite honest with you, when we went to Mexico, I was kind of hoping that the gift of tongues would come, to be quite honest. I said, wouldn't it be awesome if I was up there preaching and just all of a sudden started speaking Spanish? Wouldn't that be, I would have, I actually, I'll be honest with you. That morning I got up on Sunday, I'm like, Lord, this is going to be interesting. By the way, I don't know when Josue is translating whether he really preaches what I say or he preaches his own message anyway. I don't know. I wonder sometimes, Cello could probably tell us the truth, but I think Josue may have preached a different message that morning than what I preached. Because there's a whole lot of people come to the altar and I'm like, that, must not, that wasn't me. But I got up that morning, and, and I remember the windows were open, and you could feel the, the nice air coming in. I was just sitting there laying and praying. I'm like, Lord, I know you can do whatever you want, but it would be the coolest thing if you could just give me that gift this one time. Lord, I don't care what other Baptists say about that gift. I believe you can do whatever you want. And Lord, you know the only words I know in Spanish are bad words, so I wouldn't dare try it on my own. I work construction sites, folks. You, you get to know these things. I've learned this. Whatever they say on a construction site, don't repeat it. That I have learned. And I also know when I walk in the room and hear gordo, I know they're talking about me. Because that's Spanish for fat. I'm like, Lord, at this one time would be really cool. He didn't choose to do it. But I thought it would have been real cool. And I was open to it because whatever God wills is fine with me, amen? And I would have loved that gift. But that gift doesn't define whether the Spirit's in me or not. Upon salvation, the Spirit is within me. The Bible's clear on this. Amen? But one of my best friends is a Pentecostal preacher. We don't get to talk much anymore, and part of that's my fault. I talked to him the other day. Uh, Brother Kevin actually got to meet him. And... Uh, I, you know, he and I, he called me early, uh, a few days later, early in the morning. And I, as soon as I answered the phone, hey, don't be trying to steal my people. He started laughing. He's one of my best friends. I've preached in his church, he's preached in mine. I don't believe there's going to be a Pentecostal place in heaven and a Baptist place, amen. I believe we're all going to find out that some of these things we, that we thought were one way, we're going to find that it's different. And I'm okay with that. 
But this I do know, the Holy Spirit is the seal that I am His and that He is mine. Amen. Number three. Now it's got two blanks. The Holy Spirit teaches and reminds us of the ways and teachings of Christ. The Holy Spirit teaches and reminds us of the ways and teachings of Christ. Jesus tells his disciples that the Holy Spirit is going to teach them and bring uh, into their remembrance what he has said to them. In John chapter 14, or further down in verses 25 and 26, it says, These things have I spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now listen, it says that he will teach you all things. Now that doesn't mean that we don't need teachers and preachers. That's not what that means at all. But listen, how can you receive the word today and truly understand what it is? Even though that I'm speaking the words, it takes the Holy Spirit active in your hearts today to receive the word of God and to help you apply it to your life. Listen, it's not me that does the work. I had one preacher tell me this. He was an older fellow, Dr. Carl Lilly, uh, just a, a wonderful, wonderful saint of God. He said, Huff, let me tell you something. He said, preachers think too highly of themselves. He said, including me. We get to preach it and somebody comes to the altar, but boy, I really did a good job. He said, listen, somebody coming to the altar ain't whether you did a good job or not. He said, I can tell you this. If God, it's in somebody's heart, if God is dealing with their heart and the Holy Spirit is upon them, listen, I can tell you, Huff, you can preach on tithing and somebody can get saved. Amen. You can preach about the very money in their pocket, the one thing that's near and dear to us all. He said, when the Holy Spirit is active, when the Holy Spirit's doing his job, listen, it doesn't matter who what you think you are or who you think whether you did a good job or a bad job, it is the Holy Spirit huff that prepares hearts to receive his word, not us. It's not me that does the work, it's the Holy Spirit that teaches us. It is also the Holy Spirit that reminds us of his teaching. Sometimes people are scared. He says, I get in these conversations and I'm afraid I'm not going to know what to say. Let me tell you something. The work of the Holy Spirit in you is this. He will remind you on the time that you need it that you will able, be able to recall what the Holy Spirit has taught you. There's sometimes I will read things and I, I haven't thought about it for a year or two. And then I'll get in a conversation and the Holy Spirit active in my life will help me recall that verse. Will help me recall what I have learned and read to use at that moment in time. But I can tell you this, the Holy Spirit can't remind you of something that you ain't learned. Amen. A lot of times people say, well, you just open your mouth, the Holy Spirit's going to fill it. That's not how it works. It said here that the Holy Spirit teaches and reminds. You know what that means we need to do? We need to learn, listen, and then put it to work and recall it when necessary. Amen? We need to use it. Why does he remind us of it? Because sometimes we forget the teaching that we so desperately need. And it reminds us, you remember that sermon? You remember what you read last week? You remember what you saw before? Listen, but you can't remember something that you ain't took in in the first point. Amen? By the way, let me just give you a little, this, ain't, this is just a little extra nugget. It's a lot easier to remember something that you write down. I've done testing with technicians. I've tried it a bunch of different ways. I used to do a prep course to take this Nate test that we used to do. And uh, I have all these slides and I'd give them my handouts. Problem was, is they couldn't use their handouts during the test. But you know what? When I had everything printed on the paper form, they'd look at the slide, they'd listen to what I say. And then when it come time to take the test, they put their notes away and they couldn't remember nothing. 
So I started teaching the class and handing out blank paper and pencils. Well, ain't I get, don't I get a copy of the presentation? Nope. Why? You can't remember by just sheer looking at it. You hear something that, that tells you something that you didn't already know? Write it down. Why? Because writing helps commit it to memory. You want to remember a verse in Scripture? You want to help open up your mind and, and be able to recall Scripture? You know what you do? Write it down. Now, don't just write down Romans 1, 1 and write the verse out. You want to remember it, write it. Why? Because all the different muscles it takes for you to be able to write that down, listen, helps remind you when the time comes. Just glancing at it doesn't do near the same as actually physically writing it down. You should take notes. Help commit it to memory. But I promise you, if you learn it, the Holy Spirit will remind you when the time comes when you need it. Some people say, well, I have trouble learning. On my own, I did too. But I have found with the Holy Spirit that is within me that God has given me because I am one of His, as He has sealed me from a day of redemption, He also has helped open my mind to learn. Because I find sometimes that it ain't that my mind can't comprehend, it's that my heart's not ready for it yet. Amen? How is it that you could hear a message from one passage of Scripture and hear three different preachers preach it and, and it just never hits you? Then all of a sudden you hear it one time and you're like, oh. I've done that driving down the road. I've heard that Scripture so many times and all of a sudden Chuck Swindoll would preach on it. I'd hear the verse. I'm like, you know, I never really did understand that. And all of a sudden he starts speaking. I'm like, because my heart was ready. You see, I can't make you ready today, but the Holy Spirit can the Holy Spirit teaches us, reminds us. So here's something important for you to know. Be teachable. Be teachable. Sometimes I'll have guys come to class. And listen, it was no more, it was a waste of time for them and me. Why? Because they didn't come in teachable. They come in already knowing the book. I've already been doing this for 10 years, I already know it. Well, dude, I've been doing it for 30 and I still learn. Me and Robbie's talked about that before. Run into something you ever run into. Like, I've been all my years, I never saw that one. Be teachable. I have some, I call them the young guns, right? Y'all remember the movie, the movie Young Guns, right? I like that line there. I'll make you famous. Them young guns come in, got their six shooters strapped in, tied around their leg, ready to go. I listen, I don't need anything you got here of. I'm just coming because they're paying me four hours to sit in your class, but I already know it all. I like him, guys, because sometimes I'll say something, I'll say, but you already knew it anyway. Or I'll ask a question and look at him. Well, you already know everything. Go ahead and spit out the answer. Let everybody know. Matter of fact, I need a break anyway. My voice is getting kind of scratchy. I'm going to sit down and let you take over for a little while. Here, I hand him the clicker. You all see their face. Well, you already knew. I just thought you could help out a little bit. Be teachable. I can tell you this. You may know Christ but you don't know him as deep as you could. Amen? I've been walking with him for a while, and there's still more I don't know than what I do know. But I can tell you this, the more I learn about him, the sweeter he gets. The Holy Spirit teaches and reminds us of the ways of Christ. Number four, the Holy Spirit convicts 
both the believer in the ways of righteousness and the unbeliever of their sin. Think about that for a minute. The Holy Spirit convicts both the believer in, in the ways of righteousness and the unbeliever in their sin. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts us and let us know that we're out of line. I don't know about you, but sometimes you ever walk with them friends that will always tell you the yes? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yes. I've, a lot of people, I, I've worked for people that surround themselves with yes people. And I'm going to tell you this, I ain't designed to be a yes person. I'm designed to be a no person. Problem is, is when you're a no person, but you're working for somebody who's a yes guy, no people don't make out too good. Because we'll be in meetings and everybody be like, yeah, yeah, oh, that's great. It's wonderful. I'm like, clean the brown off your nose. You know it's a bad idea. That don't go over so good. Don't write that down either. I saw somebody writing. Don't record that stuff. What did the Holy Spirit help you recall today? Wipe the brown off your nose. <laughs> the Mary's rolling her eyes. There we are. Hey, at least I didn't bring toilet paper up here, pal. Get uh, them back there laughing at me. Right? What me brought the TP up here? But the Holy Spirit convicts us. This is what John 16 says in verses 7 through 11. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is your advantage that I go away. For I do not go, if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin. Because they who do not believe in me, uh, concerning sin because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. That's a whole mouthful. But as we see here, he will convict the world of their sin. You see, that's part of the problem today. Nobody wants to be convicted of their sin. Everybody wants to think that they're okay. And so anytime you start talking and giving some kind of speech that, that calls out their behavior as being uh, unacceptable according to God's standard, now you're talking hate stuff. It's that hate speech. By the way, don't be surprised if the church doesn't get banned a lot, a lot you know, more down the road uh, of preaching certain things. Why? Because the world is just heading in that place where nobody wants to be told that they're wrong. Nobody wants to be told that their behavior is unacceptable, that their lifestyle uh, is unacceptable according to God. Nobody wants to hear that, by the way, including the president. Amen? If, I don't know, but you've been watching the same thing I've been watching, but I see behavior on all sides that is unacceptable according to God. Amen? I've seen it. You've seen it. But the world doesn't want to be called out on that. And so now, we, now they're having marches of pride into things that God calls absolutely despicable. And yet they'll march in their pride. Listen, they're marching to their doom is what they're doing. Because when you start looking at the word of God, listen, the Holy Spirit will convict hearts. Amen. But listen, the Holy Spirit will knock on your heart's door. But if you keep telling it, no, 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 the Bible's very clear in Romans 1 that he turned them over to the lust of their heart. Why? Because they continued to reject. And so therefore, the Bible says that he turned them over to a reprobate mind. In other words, and it says that their conscience had been seared. So now they just get what they want. But there's no hope found in that. At all. 
The Holy Spirit convicts us. It convicts those who are in sin that they're in sin. But for those of us who are believers, who follow after Christ, listen, we still do sin. And it says that it will convict us in the things that are of righteousness. It'll, what it'll do, it'll call out things that we're doing in our life that go against the word of God. The Holy Spirit convicts. And listen, we need to applaud the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we need it in our lives lest we be told by people who want to just tickle our ears as Peter said. People said people would, that people would, in the last days would look out for people who will tickle their ears. Tell them what they want to hear. Tell them how good they are and that everything is just rainbows and unicorns. Listen, that's all a bag of Skittles. Amen. That ain't real life. The Holy Spirit convicts. If we'll listen to Him, He'll help us live in such a way that will give us the sweetest joy. And the sweetest peace. Why? Because the closer I walk to him, the sweeter it gets. There have been times that I've had to do hard things that it was sometimes would otherwise just drive me mad and keep me up at night. But what I've found is if I do that which is right in the sight of God, whether you think it's right or not, really I've found that the, the, the less I worry about that, the better my life is. If I am pleasing to God. Now listen, God's not going to let me be rude to you and be okay with it. Do you understand that? God's not going to let me be rude with you and be okay with that. Because whatever we do, we need to season with grace. Amen? I will tell you, sometimes I'm not graceful, and God reminds me of that. He said, Huff, what you said may have been true. But did you say it out of love? Or was you just saying it because you were happy that you were right? There's a huge difference, folks. Do you get that? Sometimes we're too happy about being right. You know what the problem is with being right when it comes to eternal matters? Being wrong equals eternal damnation. The fact of sometimes when I look at the scripture and I proclaim the scripture knowing that it's right, sometimes it hurts my heart. I don't like being right sometimes. Because I know that those who will not believe the word of God, those who will not submit to God as Lord of their life, I know what their eternal destination is going to be. And that ought to hurt the heart of every believer. Amen. We shouldn't be happy about conviction in the lives of others. As if to live in some ivory tower and think that we're better which we should be happy and applaud the fact that God loves us enough to indwell us with his Holy Spirit and let us know when we are wrong. And we ought to be gentle when we're delivering God's word to those who don't believe. Not gentle in the way of being a sissy and not calling it for what it is, but being gentle in speaking the truth in love. The truth itself is going to hurt bad enough. You don't need to, to help it be worse. I don't know about you, when the convicting power of the Holy Spirit came upon me, I wanted to crawl clean under the bench. There was no place low enough for me to get. And what I found is the only place I found peace was at the altar. Pouring my heart out before God and begging Him to hear my prayer. Why did I beg? Not because I had to beg, but because when I really, the Holy Spirit helped me see myself for who I was, it was dirty. Dirty. I'm talking dirt that you all would never think. By the way, 
I bet you got dirt like that in yours too. We all do. The Holy Spirit will convict us when we're out of line. And the Holy Spirit will convict the hearts of those who don't know Christ. But I believe in the free will choice of man to either accept that plea or reject it. Does God know who's going to be saved and not? Yeah, absolutely. But I have no need to try to reconcile the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. I know this, God is sovereign and I know that God holds us accountable and tells us, choose you this day who you're going to serve. He also tells us to choose him now while it is day. For night is coming when no man will see. Holy Spirit convicts. Number five, the Holy Spirit fills us. It fills us. Our life can be full when we are filled with the Holy Spirit and the things that are of Christ. Let me read this scripture to you. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. It says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and make melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. But think about what he's saying here. He says, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, I can recall some times where we've seen people in the Bible. I think about Hannah as she prayed. She wanted to have a child so desperately in the Old Testament. And she was praying in such a way that the priest thought she was drunk and was going to go correct her, then found out what was going on. We see that wine is used to help us understand because Jesus said that you don't put new wine in old wineskins lest they burst. But he refers to the Spirit indwelling the heart of a believer like that being of a, of a new wineskin. We have this new wine. We have this new covenant. It says, don't be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. What is he saying there? It's not a verse that's necessarily talking about drink at that moment. But he said, listen, don't, don't fill yourself with, with something that could only give you temporary pleasure. Don't fill yourself with something that will actually cause you to do things that will embarrass you later. There was a song by Brad Paisley. Y'all know that's y'all I'm talking about, right? Y'all know that song. It talks about it'll make you put a lampshade on your head, right? I mean, when we allow ourselves to be taken by things like strong drink, it'll make us do stuff that is absolutely stupid and, and, and stuff that you don't want other people to see. I think YouTube is probably half full alone with people doing stupid stuff that's probably under influence of something. Because there's no way they do that in the right mind. You know what the redneck thing is, right? What's the famous last words of a redneck? Hold my beer. Or watch this. If they have a cup holder, it's watch this. But he's saying, listen, you, people fill themselves with that. Why? Because they want to feel good for a while. They want to just kind of forget their troubles or they just want to kind of just let loose or whatever the case may be, whatever reason that you want to have. He says, listen, don't, don't be that. He said, but, but be filled with the Spirit. Why? Because when I fill myself with the Spirit, first off, the Spirit's not going to lead me to do something that's going to embarrass me later. The Spirit's not going to lead me to do something that's going to cause me to do something reckless or something that is damaging, but the Spirit is going to fill me. Amen. And listen, I can live filled with the Spirit and 
and not have to worry. All those worries and cares that a lot of people will put under the influence of alcohol to get rid of just for a little while. Listen, I can walk every day, every hour, and every minute, amen, filled with the Spirit, not worried about a thing. Why? Because he said to cast all of our cares upon him because he cares for us. I don't need that to have a good time. I could be filled with the Spirit. We know in Acts chapter 17 it says that, that in Him we live and move and have our being. With the Holy Spirit active in my life, I don't have to worry. I don't have to go to work worried about what's going to happen that day or whether I'm going to run into something that I can't handle or, or what's going to come back to bite me. I don't have to worry about those things. Why? The Holy Spirit is active in my life and He's going to help me and I know that everything's going to be okay because, listen, the only thing i got control of is me. I can't control what other people say about me, what they do, or whether they try to tear me down or any of that else. I can't control any of that. Only thing I'm responsible for is me. And if I allow myself to be filled with the Spirit at all times, then I can walk around with peace in my heart. And listen, I can walk around with a smile on my face and joy knowing that regardless of what happens, that everything is taken care of and the Holy Spirit is walking with me. So if you don't want to walk with me, listen, baloney on YouTube, me and the Spirit will take a stroll by ourselves. But I can tell you this, I will not be alone. Amen. My dad told me, he said, sometimes, Huff, sometimes you just got to take a stand and all your physical friends will leave. But you know that God will never leave you, forsake you. He'll be with you even until the end. So I know that his Holy Spirit indwells me and is with me every day. Listen, if I am filled with him, then that means all the other stuff, there's no room for it. You know, I used to, sometimes when we look at air conditioning, we look at the physics, the science of it. And uh, we'll talk about coil capacities and things like that. And I'll pick up a cup. And I'll be looking, you know, in a cup and show them there's nothing, what looks like nothing in it. I'm like, it looks like there's nothing in it, right? They're like, yeah, there's nothing in it. Nope, that cup is absolutely full to the brim with air. And the only way that I could put water in that cup is to push the air out to get the water in. You see, our life is full. Our life is full of something. He's telling us to be filled with the Spirit and not the other junk. Because if we're not careful, we'll fill up our life with all the other things. The other day I made a statement that great things do not happen for, with convenience. Greatness is not doing something that's convenient. Greatness is when we sacrifice and make room to do good things. If you do something just because it's convenient, what is that? It was convenient. Just about anybody will do something good if it's convenient. But what about when it's not? You see them old fellows that helped lay this floor yesterday? There was other things they could have done. They didn't help lay the floor because it was convenient. They made room and space in their lives to do this that day. I told somebody this morning, I said, you realize them toilets don't clean themselves, right? They're not self-cleaning toilets. We didn't get them toilets where Jack got his beanstalk beans. Them's regular old toilets. You know, the kind of your house that gets dirty, they get dirty too. They don't get cleaned out of convenience. They get cleaned out of purpose. 
somebody's purpose in their heart to do that. Our lives are going to be full. People all the time talk about having a full plate. This is what I have learned. Everybody's plates are full. But what I have learned is I have to choose what's on the plate. I don't know about you. But listen, I, I ain't going to have no carrots on this plate when there's banana pudding in the bowl. You all know what I'm saying? I'm scraping them carrots off. And I'm getting the banana pudding, especially if one's got them wafers in the bottom. Oh, the vanilla wafers. I don't know about you, but a box of vanilla wafers is just missing something. The pudding and the bananas, that's what it's missing. And then they put the whipped cream on the top and they lay the little wafers around. I don't know. Whew, somebody make some of that, would you please? Banana pudding. Mm. Hey, as long as I eat it between 10 and 7, I'm fine. But listen, I ain't going to leave no carrots on that plate. When they's banana pudding. And I'm going to tell you, there's some sweet things God has for your life if you'll just push something else to the side. It may not look sweet right now, but I'm going to tell you, there's some things that God would do in your life if you quit only doing things when it's convenient and instead start looking at your plate and really looking good and hard at your life and realize that there's a lot of things that you have filled your life with that have zero eternal value. Zero. And then we wonder why our life isn't fulfilling. Because we haven't filled our life. Filling yourself with the Spirit of God. You see what it says? It says even, even uh, uh, where to it go? I forgot where I was even at. There it is. Uh, uh, I still ain't found it. There it is. You think I'd never done this before, wouldn't you? It says, be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try that. I'm going to try that, right? I'm going to look at Chris. Chris, how you doing? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I'm going to start talking in Psalms. Wouldn't that be awesome? Right? He said, why, why does it say that? Listen, we think, I'm just going to start carrying a songbook around. I don't even have one to carry around. I had one, but it had shape notes in it. Mary and them can't use them. Right? I'm just going to carry this songbook around. If you ask me a question, I'm going to find a song title that fits it. If it ain't in here, I can't talk to you. Right? Just can't talk. Huff, I don't know if God, I don't know if God loves me. 574, and he cares about you. Right? Huff, you want some? Pass me not. Right? I'm just gonna start singing in song. That's, that's what it says. It says to, to greet each other, singing these songs, right? Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I'm just gonna start carrying this thing around. I'm going to be working on the truck, need a light. I ain't going to ask for a flashlight. I'm just going to go, 371, send the light, the big old flashlight so I can see, to work on the truck, send the light. <laughs> it says to do this. Now, do you get what it's saying? Just be filled with the Spirit. Fill your heart with the joyous things of God. His word, his songs, his hymns. I, I went to one person's place and they had some music on. And I left there wanting to punch somebody right in the face. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Music goes, 
And I was like, just give me somebody, I'm going to smack it right now. It just made me want to hit somebody. Look, I'll be the only one in jail. What happened? I listened to that song. It said, punch him in the face, and I did it. <laughs> Send the light, the blessed gospel. Oh, I love to tell the story, right? Then I get back in my car, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, I got a, you know, contemporary Christian song comes on. Yeah. How great is our God? I'm like, Boy, I needed some of that. Somebody almost got hurt back there a minute ago. I don't know about you, but even the music we listen to shapes our day. You start your day with, with a talk with God, listening for the Holy Spirit who enjoys you to talk to you, help you out, help you understand what you're reading. Fill your day with positive things of God. Makes a whole lot of difference. Why is it that when we're sad, we play sad songs? You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we get in one of those moods where we're just discouraged and we start listening to them old sad songs. And we're like, it just makes it worse. Fill yourself with the Spirit of God and the things of Him and the things that promote His presence in your life and you will see your life get much different. If you're discouraged, don't listen to discouraging stuff. Realize that I'm discouraged and listen to the Holy Spirit who's telling you, listen, fill, your, fill yourself up with me. You've got yourself filled with negative things. You've got yourself filled with all the things that's bothering you and weighing you down. When are you going to give that to God the Father like He told you to and let me and you have a good day? We carry the Spirit around sometimes in such a way like we forget He's there. Like, nobody likes me. Just, everything stinks. Holy Spirit's going there. I don't, I don't stink. I don't stink. You got me? You got me. Be filled. Your life is full of something. Just whether it's full of garbage or not. Sometimes I feel like we're them raccoons on that commercial where they try to get their dinner out of the trash truck. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, this is terrible. It tastes like singed hair. Here, take a bite. Listen, you know, if you go digging in the trash, you ain't getting nothing but trash. If you walk into things of God, you'll walk into that which is sweet. And even in the rough times, I'm never alone. And I know that he's always got my back. Number six is this, and we'll close on this. The Holy Spirit brings unity to those who walk in Christ. Unity to those who walk in Christ. You see, I'm being led in the ways of Christ by the same Holy Spirit that leads you. All believers are led by the same Spirit if they truly walk in Christ. This doesn't guarantee we're going to agree on every topic. I mean, we know that. Some of us drive good vehicles, and some of you guys drive stuff that you know is going to break down. Some of y'all choose the bow tie. You might as well get a bow tie because bow ties are for nerds and nerds drive Chevys. It's just the way it is. Right? I'll just call you a poindexter and we'll get it over with. <laughs> Me and Chris was told, oh, what was the car we were talking about? I said, man, it looks good. I just can't, just can't do it. Can't make myself get in it. He has to drive a Chevy now. Got a new company car. They <laughs> him a Chevy. <laughs> they said, Huff, how many miles you got on your car? Not enough. I'm going to drive mine until the wheels come off. If, if a Chevy's the only option, I'm just going to keep that fusion until it falls clean apart. I'll look like Fred Flintstone holding that car up around me with my legs. Going like this. 
Right? It was funny watching Chris come by to talk to me. Then he has to go out. I peeked out the window one day. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, will you make it home or not? I mean, it's, it's a Chevy. It's a gamble. Ah, snake eyes, right? <laughs> there's, so there's going to be things we disagree on, folks. But we should never disagree on points of salvation and things of God. We should never disagree on that we are to love each other and esteem each other higher than ourselves. We should always agree to treat each other with grace and humility. You see, because the same spirit that's leading me is, is from that source that Jesus said, I go away, but I I'm going to send you one from the same source. You remember the word? Alon Parakletos. The helper comes from the same place. So the helper that's helping me is helping me from the same source as Christ came, but he's also the same one helping you. So I can tell you this, God is not going to lead me in such a way to hurt you or lead you in such a way to hurt me. There's unity. Paul said that he had been sent word from the house of Chloe in 1 Corinthians. He said that there are divisions among you. For some say that I am of the, you know, I am of Paul. Some say that I'm of Apollos. Some say that I am of Cephas. Right, that's Peter. So some people were saying, I'm, I'm Paul's disciple. Otherwise, I'm, you know, well, I'm Peter's disciple. Or Apollos, he's my man. Paul's saying, I'm glad I didn't hardly baptize none of you. But I think he names one or two people that, two people, I think Gaius is one of them. And I forget the other. He only baptized, I'm glad I only baptized two of you, so you can't say that. He said, because I'm going to tell you, there's just no, no divisions. You see, you can't sit here today and say, oh, listen, you know, Brother Huff's my man. Other people's like, man, well, Brother Kevin's mine. We both belong and be are led by the same spirit as you. It's in him that we live and move and have our being. So the Holy Spirit brings us unity. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, it says, Therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a, worthy, a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bonds of peace. For there is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Do you see all that in there? With all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit unifies us. I'm sealed for the day of redemption by the same Holy Spirit you're sealed by. And so listen... The stuff that usually divides us has no eternal value. I've seen churches, I've seen a church, and Brother Kevin laughed at this because he'd heard it. I've seen a church divided over the color of the carpet. Hopefully, our whole church agrees that I don't like green. They're like, what color would you make it? Anything other than green. I'd take yellow with purple polka dots if I could get it. Better than green. I don't like green. I ain't leaving the church over it. You see, it's these, it's, it's these things that have no eternal value that divide us and cause us not to talk to one another. 
If I don't like what you say, that's it. I'm taking my toys and I'm leaving this sandbox. When kids do that, what do we say to kids? I mean, this is what we've seen this week in our world. He didn't shake my hand. She tore up my speech. I want to take both of them by the hair of the head and crack them both together with each other. Just Grow up. Grow up. These are adults acting like this. Over stupid stuff. If we saw kids do that, now think about that for a minute. Two of your kids run to you. One complain, he didn't shake my hand, the other one, he tore my paper. If they were your two kids, what would you do? Thank you. You know what my mother made me and my sister do one time? Made us kiss each other on the cheek and hug for two minutes. We had to kiss each other on the cheek and had to hug for two minutes. Had to stay in an embrace for two minutes. She timed it. Your brother and sister. One of these days, me and your dad's going to be gone. And each other is all you're going to have in this world as far as family's concerned. And the fact you're acting like this just shows how childish you're acting. You think you're grown and big enough to do things that you want to go out here and do that older kids could do, but then by just by your very nature and what you said today shows us that you're not ready yet. That's what my mom told me. And she made us kiss each other on the cheek and hug for two minutes. Longest two minutes of my life. I don't think I've hugged her since. Maybe I have. Have I hugged her? I don't, we don't hug much. I'm not a hugger. Sal's the hugger. Sal just looks for people. Come here, sweetheart. Sal, you don't know that guy. He needs a hug. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A hug wouldn't think. Sal says, is there something on my face? I said, yes. I don't know what it is on your face. It must be the love of God all over you because people will come up to her. Y'all ever seen that show with, uh, that movie with Tim Allen and he's Santa Claus and he's in the park during the summer and all the kids are lined up? That's what people do to Sal when we're out in public. It's almost embarrassing. Now, honey, you know I'm telling the truth. Because she'll say, I didn't even know that person from Adam. They started telling me all their problems. I don't you just have that love of God. Oh, look on your face that says, tell me your problems. Sal is like, well, I'll be praying. And hugs them. And they just walk away like, wow, lady, that was awesome. Right? Listen, if God's people can't get along, you think there's going to be sections in heaven? I can tell you what ain't going to be in heaven. Blue donkeys and red elephants. You'll learn later when you get older, ask your mom. Ain't going to be none of that. And folks, do you realize, you know who's happy when we divide with each other? Satan. He's happy. Paul got on to the church at Corinth, too. He says, listen, and how dare you guys go to law with each other? In other words, how dare you bring lawsuits on each other of believers? He says, what do you think the world thinks when believers can't get along? What do you think that it looks like to the world? You see, sometimes we're so consumed with what we see that we forget what everybody else sees. It doesn't mean we got to agree, but sometimes we've got to agree to disagree and realize that whatever we disagree on ain't near as important as our brother, sister, brother, brother, sister, sister relationship.
See, my mom knew that, knew that me and my sister would later in life need each other. Knew that that relationship would be important to us. God's called us to be unified. So if there are divisions among us, we've got to ask ourselves, what is it that's really dividing us? How important is it? What is it? And could our divisions actually be more of a self-centered thing than anything? Because that's usually what it is. I want my way, you want yours. Sometimes we just got to say, you know what? It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Sometimes I'd rather be wronged and just let it go. Because it's more important to me to have proper influence with you as your pastor than it is to argue over things. Doesn't mean I'm not going to call out truth, I will. But if you think pastors ain't been done wrong like the rest of you, you're out of your mind. We get done wrong just as much as you do. We get people to let us down. We get people to promise us things just like they do you. And we get let down all the time. But you know what? For the sake of the gospel message, I'd rather be wronged. Because I can live with it. I'd rather be wrong to make sure that the people outside of the family of God see unity and not division. And that's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians. I believe we're long around, somewhere around chapter 11. Read it for yourself. He said, wouldn't it be better just to be wrong than to let the world see the, the church breaking up from the inside out? It's important. If we listen to the Holy Spirit, it will bring us unity. And God's calling us to be unified. One God. One Son. One Holy Spirit. And these three are one. Holy Spirit wants to do a great thing in you. Wants to bring you peace and joy like you've never had it before. Would you stand at your feet?